0: Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode.
1: The the, the box really wasn't empty, the girl said to her father. Um, This is my present to you, a beautiful box filled with kisses, and they're all for you, daddy. The father was
0: crushed. He put his arms around the little girl and begged her for forgiveness. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut and into a life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, we're going to be joined by physician, author, and speaker, as well as coach, Dr. Alan Laika. Now, Dr. Alan Laika is going to share with us his story of how He and his wife actually thought he was going to die of a stroke, Uh, but it turns out, no, he was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, still dying, Uh, but he was determined not to just accept that fate, got another opinion and another, did some testing, more testing, turns out he was bitten by a tick. Now, that's not the whole story. The thing is, this whole experience woke him up and made him realize it was time to live a fantastic life. So over the next few decades, he and his wife did just that. Now he shares his 13 pearls of wisdom with his audiences on how to also live a fantastic life. And that's what we're doing with you. We're sharing some of those tidbits from his latest book, from his speaking series and his TEDx talk with you. Because we want you to live life beyond the rut and live a fantastic life as well. So sit back and relax unless you're throwing pebbles into a pond to watch ripples become bigger ripples and multiple little ripples and i don't know why uh, just something satisfying about that still and maybe it's because i just came off vacation and all that good stuff but here we go all right dr Leica, thank you for joining us on beyond the rut how are you doing over there in uh, edmonton alberta canada
1: Doing great, thank you. It's a beautiful, sunny day. It's nice, and we're very happy to be here. Thank you for having me on your show.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Weather-wise, complete opposite where I am. We're having uh, uh, thunderstorms and and lightning, and I'm loving it. I I don't know why. I'm one of those weirdos who loves rain uh, when everybody else is like, no. Put it away. <laughs> I think the army broke me like that. Uh, <laughs> so we had a chance to connect because of uh, a mutual organization, Interview Valet. Uh, I know Tom Schwab. He's been a guest on the show. Gotten to know um, Karen Schwab because she pretty much runs the show for Tom on On the uh, behind the scenes. And of course, they have a whole team of folks who get authors and creators like yourself connected with podcasts that fit your platform. So uh, just a quick little shout out to Interview Valet. And for any of you out there, if you got a platform you're launching or a business you're trying to build, uh, they're definitely a great resource to connect you with podcasts that fit your niche. And and Dr. Laika, you've probably had lots of experience with that and, and lots of connections with podcasts because of them.
1: Yes, for sure. Interview Valley is nothing but the best, and I recommend them highly, especially Tom Schwab.
0: Yes. And, you know, I forgave Tom that he was in the Navy, not the Army, but that's okay. That's not important. <laughs> for sure. uh, he's probably rolling his eyes right now if he hears this, like, ah, oh, Jerry, <laughs> I thought we were friends. We are. Uh so I did notice that in your background, you're a cosmetic dermatologist, you did cosmetic surgery, you've got uh, a very long, successful career in that. And I bring that up because a couple of friends of mine, good friends of mine, Mai and Miriam, uh, they were appalled, I guess, a couple months back when they learned that me, a 45-year-old man, I I wash my face in the shower and I use bar soap. And they're like, <gasps> And they said, I need to stop doing that. They try to give me a lot of tips, uh, but they also introduced me to something called hyaluronic acid and say, you know, treat your face with this in the morning and in the evening, make it part of your routine. And then as I was doing my homework on you, Dr. Laika, uh, I learned that you're one of the, the folks who did the early work on introducing hyaluronic acid to the market, and it's now kind of a staple of skincare. And so with that, uh, one, thank you for your work, but also- what kind of advice would you give a 45-year-old man uh, about skincare and how to use hyaluronic acid properly and I'm I'm asking for a friend.
1: You know, I think it's simple the best thing to do is keep it simple uh, silly uh, you know if you get too advanced it really doesn't matter you know Men have this big advantage in that we shave every day. So we Mm -hmm. really exfoliate our skin every day. And that is a huge, huge advantage on everything else. Because exfoliating the skin is really what helps keep it renewed and helps keep it really get nice and soft and beautiful. So exfoliating every day does help. And just shaving is an exfoliating process. So, you know, as far as soap and water, you know, I think bar soap is not a bad choice as long as you use something like Dove. Dove has a moisturizer in it, and it's better than the harsh soaps. The harsh soaps with deodorant should be avoided from the face because they're just too harsh. Uh, Mild, gentle cleansers are preferred in this day and age. Um, You know, the big thing is uh, with people of color, like is to make sure you don't get inflammation in the skin. And by keeping the inflammation down, that way you prevent uh, areas of hyperpigmentation and areas of hypopigmentation. So that that's an important thing to do in your daily routine. So just keep it simple. Um, uh, if you're still getting acne at your age, well, that uh, so be it. Uh, if, if that happens, then using some of the, over the top, over the preparations like benzoyl peroxide do help to keep it under control. And that's all you basically need. Um, you know, most people don't need a lot of skin care. Uh, as we get older, the biggest thing you should be doing is putting on a sunscreen every day because the sun is one of the things that damages the skin and causes a lot of hardship. So sunscreen should be added to everybody's makeup routine every day and uh, to protect the skin, especially from the, from the elements of the sun rays that a person gets.
0: They did make me get some, I mean, they made my friend get some <laughs> sunscreen as well. <laughs> so uh, thank you for that. And um, I guess they owe me some I told you so's as well. Uh, but then I've got one I can go back and say, hi, I can use bar soap. I mean, my friend can use bar soap. Uh, and that's uh, as long as it's something moisturizing like Dove. Cool i've I've made note of that so that uh so now I've taken care of me in this episode uh let's talk about why we really got you on and uh so you've had a long career as a dermatologist, and I'm sure people have asked you about that a lot, but around two thousand three if I remember correctly and if I've done my homework right, uh you got hit with some news that uh was really life altering it says
1: and let me start with that to just to begin with you know have you ever had an experience where your whole life changed in just seconds yes Yeah. A few. Well, when it does happen, your whole life just takes turn for the worst. And I was walking with my wife in Disneyland in 2003, the happiest place on earth. Mm -hmm. And my wife turned to me and she said, what's wrong with you, hon? (laughs) Well, for once in my life, I hadn't said anything wrong. I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't even thunk anything wrong. So I didn't know what she was talking about. She said, well, what's wrong with you? Well, my right foot had suddenly and mysteriously developed a foot drop. It was slapping on the pavement with every foot, with every step I was taking. And of course, it came out of the blue. And my wife said, uh, you know, did you have a stroke? And I said, dear, you're a doctor. I'm a doctor. That's not how a stroke presents. It just doesn't present that way. And she Mm -hmm. said, well, when you get back, you better get this checked out. Now, when your loved one tells you to get it checked out in that tone of voice, what do you do? You do it. You do it. You don't have any choice. You don't have any option. (laughs) So I went to see dozens of doctors, not not just dozens, but hundreds of doctors. I had CAT scans. I had brain scans. I had scan scans. And at the end of the day, they showed absolutely nothing. The doctors were befuddled. They were perplexed. They didn't know what was going on. Hmm. They thought maybe I had a brain tumor. They thought maybe I had a slip disc but there was nothing on any of the tests. And you know what a doctor does when he can't find anything wrong on any test? No. He does more tests. Okay. And more tests, (laughs) and more tests. So I had a million-dollar workup then, Mm -hmm. probably a billion-dollar workup in today's dollars, but I had tests that weren't even invented. Um, And, you know, at the end of the day, they were so befuddled, they sent me to a neurologist. A neurologist is a brain doctor. He's the doctor that's supposed to have all the answers to all the pieces. And at the end of the day, I ended up at his doorstep. So I walked in and I said, hi. He said, hi back. Uh, you better be sitting down when I tell you this. Mm. You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Get your affairs in order because in six months you're going to be dead. Wow, that's a ton of bricks to be hitting with as you're just meeting somebody. So I asked him, is there a way to prove this diagnosis? He said, of course, on autopsy. Oh,
0: geez. This guy's winning all kinds of awards with you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I shot back. Uh, You know, I'm not going to die to prove you wrong. But you know, when you go through something like this, you go through uh, the phases of death and dilating. They were written in a book by Elizabeth Kubler ross and she wrote five phases. One was anger. And I became angry, I could bite the head off nails, I really could really go through a phase where I wasn't fit to be uh, talking to people because I was so angry. Uh, You go through bargaining, you know, oh God, please don't let this happen. I'll do anything if you don't let this happen. You go through a phase of denial. There's nothing wrong, I can do anything, there's really nothing going on. I can And so I worked 12, 24 hours a day. I knew that if I was going to die, I'd have something to show for it at the end of it. But, you know, I knew there was something wrong. My right foot wasn't working right. And then my right arm wasn't working right either. I started losing control of my right hand. So uh, then you go through depression, where you go through a phase where you stare at the ceiling, looking at the sky and just saying, why am I getting out of bed today? It doesn't really matter. I'm going to be dead in six months anyhow. It doesn't really matter. And so that's the deep, dark phase. That's the yeah. ugly days. I don't know if you've ever been depressed, but if you have, you know there are very, very ugly days that you go through.
0: Stay with us. We'll be right back and now let's talk about how you can use Cap show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos. Into CapShow and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part: CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com/capshow. That's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now back to the show. Yeah. uh, My dad had gone through it when I was about 11 and uh, I've seen other uncles and I've probably gone through it and not realized it, but yeah, it's, it's not pretty. It's not pleasant.
1: It's not a pleasant day. Those days are very dark and they're very black. Well, you know, I went to my wife and I said, dear, what's wrong with me? And she said, you know, hon, I haven't got the faintest idea, but you're smart. You can figure it out. Well, thanks, dear. Uh, <laughs> I've just seen hundreds of doctors, and they couldn't figure it out, but I can figure it out. Well, back in 2003, something new had been developed, and you might have heard about it. It's called the internet. You ever yes. hear
0: of that beast? <laughs> Yeah. Didn't Al Gore invent that? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I think Bob Gore invented it or something uh, like that. Somebody, yeah. <laughs> Al Gore
1: invented it. He, he was the first person, according to him, who invented it. Yes. But uh, with regardless, the internet had been invented, but the problem was our computers had very little memory back then. Mm-hmm. And also back then, we didn't have Dr. Google. We didn't have Dr. Yahoo. We couldn't go to a search engine and just ask for things. We had to do it in a very primitive way. Yeah. In fact, we had dial-on connections. Your phone would <laughs> yes. go on a cradle and connect with another phone, and it would go rea rea rea
0: <laughs> for about fifteen uh, minutes. The good or old so. days, and nope.
1: finally, it would connect. And our computers had so little memory back then. You had to communicate with a a primitive language called DOS, yeah. where you had to send commands and things like that. So it was the very early days of computing. The very early days. Fortunately, I had friends that were geniuses in the computer world. They were nerds and they were able to help me out. And so I got, I I found out about a doctor in Colorado Springs, Colorado by the name of David Martz. He was a very brilliant hematologist who got, who had a symptoms just like I did, except he got worse much more rapidly. And he was on his deathbed when a doctor from Texas came up to see him. And he looked at David and he said, David, I don't think you have ALS. I don't think you have Lou Gehrig's disease. David said, what do I have? The doctor from Texas says, I think you were bitten by a tick. Mm. And that tick caused a chronic neurological disease called chronic Lyme's disease. And he said, if I'm right, I can start you on treatment and make you better. David said, what do I have to lose? I'm dying, you know, start me on treatment. And so he started him on treatment. And within two weeks, he was like Lazarus. He had arisen from the dead. So I knew I had to get in touch with David. So I phoned every hospital in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where David lived. And I was able to get in touch with him at the Methodist Hospital. And we talked for hours. And David said, can you come down and see me? I said, sure. When would you like me to come? He said, what about right now? I said, David, it's our Thanksgiving weekend in, in uh, Canada. My wife's invited 50 people over. He said, well, aren't there any planes in Canada? <laughs> he wasn't going to let me off that easily. He wanted me to come down. So I went to my wife. I apologized. I said, I'm not going to be here for Thanksgiving. She said, where are you going to be going this time? You always seem to be away. I said, yes, I'm often away for cosmetic surgery, learning and teaching, But I said, I'm not doing anything cosmetic surgery this weekend. I'm going down to a doctor in Colorado Springs claims he has something that can help me. And I think I should go down and see him. My wife said, well, let me help you. I'll get your bags packed. I'll even drive you to the airport. So I got to the airport. I got on a plane from Denver to, from Edmonton to Denver. It was a delightful flight, about two and a half hours. And then I got on a flight from Dender to Colorado Springs. It was late in the day. It was a puddle jumper. Have you ever
0: been on a puddle jumper? Uh, No, I've been on helicopters, but not a puddle jumper yet. Well, a helicopter
1: is even worse sometimes than a a little puddle jumper. But the problem with at the end of the day is air comes off the desert and it creates eddies, which means turbulence. Mm -hmm. So a plane will climb 100 feet and then it'll drop 100 feet without warning. And they'll climb another 100 feet and they'll drop 200 (laughs) feet. So it's like a roller coaster. It's like a wild mouse ride. It's like the Ferris wheel all thrown together. It's like the drop of doom at Disneyland over and over and over again. And so you end up on a plane like this crawling off, which I did. I was green. And I crawled off, and a miracle had happened. There was David on the tarmac to meet me. Mm. You know, see, back in 2003, they hadn't put in all the high uh, security changes that were necessary because of 9-11 yet. David was a well-known doctor. I was a well-known doctor, so they didn't have any eye security. So I was able to get off the plane and meet him. And he said, Dr. Leica, you're not looking so good. And I said, I'm not feeling so good. He said, well, it's probably a metaphor for everything you've just gone through. And he said, you know, uh, I've got some wonderful news. I think history is repeating itself. And I think I can make you better. And I think I can really make you uh, the way I did. And he started to be on treatment. And that's why I'm still thriving. 18 years after the fact, I was supposed to be dead. But, but you know, when you go through something like this, you've been given a second chance. You've been given life schooled and ticket. And you start to look around and you start to wonder how you can help others. And because of my research, I was able to find 13 golden pearls that reside in each and every one of us. Do you know what causes a pearl to
0: form? Uh, A little bit of like grit or sand that gets inside the oyster? Excellent. That's perfect. And that's exactly what happened. You see, golden pearls exist and they
1: exist in nature, but they only exist in the South Pacific. And when they form, they, they form because a certain oyster has a little bit of a grain of sand that gets inside. And instead of being traumatized by that grain of sand, it walls it off. And that's what produces this beautiful, luscious golden pearl. This golden pearl is so exquisite that it costs upwards of $10,000 for a single solitary, perfect pearl. But you know, I was able to find golden pearls in each and every one of us. And each and every one of us, we have golden pearls. And those golden pearls are there for us to live a fantastic life. And each and every one of us have these beautiful golden pearls inside ourselves. And we can really find and have a beautiful life as a result. You just need to look inside rather than just have to, um, uh, other than just going through all the hardship and trial that I went through. You can look inside yourself and find these beautiful pearls. And they're all written in my book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. So everybody could share.
0: Yeah, and that's the whole idea behind wisdom as well. I'm I'm speaking mainly to the folks listening right now. Is you know you could be like my son and you hear lessons from people who've been there before and decide to do it your own way anyway. Uh, do it the hard way, I guess. But wisdom is really taking somebody else's knowledge, somebody else's experience, applying it to your situation, and hopefully, in a sense, if you're a gamer, uh, applying the cheat codes to life in a sense. So, uh, so I'm. I'm happy to see something like this the secrets to live in a fantastic life and those 13 golden pearls um now i've kind of got my favorite three so far uh do you do you have a favorite Here, well I let's guess? go
1: through your favorite three yeah. because i know all of them indubitably
0: yeah, uh, oh yeah, of course. Because you wrote the book. <laughs> uh, so top of the list is actually the the one that is the top of the list in the book, and that's the the one that you kick it off with uh, love. Um, you know, it's you know, I'm a Christian. That's my background, my my faith. And, uh, and love is a beautiful
1: uh, yeah. concept, and you know,
0: love is one of the few things in life that you
1: get more of by giving, and that's a, one of the most amazing things about it. Just by giving it, you get more of it, and. You know, unfortunately, this downside of that is, um, you can also get more hate by giving it as well. So, uh, of the two, I think love is the most important. And Reese Witherspoon said, you always gain by giving love. So I think that's a wonderful statement. And in my book, each and every, uh, each and every one of my pearls is preceded by a beautiful little story. I'd love to read you the story of the, of the, Uh, That begins the chapter on love.
0: Yeah. I want to get some tissues. (laughs) Go for it though.
1: (laughs) There once was a three-year-old girl who was extremely happy. She was angelic and had red curly hair. She was always singing and playing. She never walked. She skipped everywhere she went. The world was her oyster from sunup to sundown. Everyone who saw her had a smile on their face. One day, her father punished her for wasting a roll of gold to- wrapping paper. Money was tight, and he was became infuriated when the child tried to decorate an empty shoebox to put under the Christmas tree. Nevertheless, the little girl brought the gift to her father on Christmas morning and said, This is for you, Daddy. The man became embarrassed with, by his overreaction earlier. When he realized that the daughter had filled the shoe box with kisses. In. And so the, the, the box really wasn't empty. The girl said to her father, um, this is my present to you, a beautiful box filled with kisses. And they're all for you, daddy. The father was crushed. He put his arms around the little girl and begged her for forgiveness. Only a short time later, a tragic uh, car accident took the life of the little girl. Her father kept the gold-wrapped shoebox by his bed for many years, and whenever he was discouraged, he would take out an imaginary kiss and remember the love of the child who had put it in in there. And when he closed his eyes, he could see the little girl on his lap. He could hear her giggle, and he could feel her uh, presence. He actually felt her kisses, and in his mind, felt that she was there with him. Many years later, the man died of a broken heart. He went to heaven, and St. Peter met him at the pearly gates. St. Peter said, to enter, you must give me something very valuable, and then I can let you in. The old man gave St. Peter the most important thing he owned, the empty shoebox. St. Peter smiled and said, enter, my friend. You have given me the gift of everlasting love, the most valuable gift of all. And inside, he was reunited with his precious daughter. She smiled at him and gave him a real kiss. I missed you," he said. "Why, Daddy? I never left you. When I died, God made me into an angel. And when you opened the shoebox to get kissed, I gave you one, and I and I giggled in your ear, and I sat on your lap. I was always with you. I will always be your little girl." Author unknown.
0: Mm. I remember reading that, and uh, you know, I went over to my daughter. She's eighteen now, but. Uh, It reminded me of her when she was a toddler, just that, you know, that loving person, um, you know, just there for you, like able to know when you needed to be lifted up. My son's kind of the same way too, and just gave her a big hug. She has no idea why, but, uh, those listening, now you know why, but I guess you wouldn't know when I actually hugged her. But anyway, (laughs) it's just amazing though that, You know, kids have this purity about themselves when it comes to loving others. And I think we as adults tend to forget that. And that might be a rut that we fall into is, you know, we we almost expect reciprocity when it comes to love and expressing love and demonstrating love. And it's like you said. And I
1: I think we tend to overanalyze love. You know, in in my story, I also write about the seven types of love that there are. And, And there are really seven types of love. So each one of them is somewhat different. You know, the first type of love is called eros, which is named after the Greek love of uh, the Greek god of love and fertility and reminds us of romantic love. There's philia, which is affectionately brotherly love. There's storge, which is familial love. There's mania, which is obsessive love. There's pragma, enduring love. There's philatia, which is self-love. And agape, which is selfless love. And I would encourage everybody to try to get the selfless love, which is one of the most important that you can do just by looking forward. And um, I think, you know, in my book, there's all these types for you to enjoy. And each story, each chapter is, is read by a little story. So you can get into it to a much better, deeper meaning. There's also over 150 quotes on The World's Experts so everybody can understand this at different levels of meaning and i really encourage people to read my book you can get a free copy by going to my website dr dr allen a l l e n com. dr com. just go there and go to the box and get a free digital copy i think you'll enjoy it immensely just like like you have
0: yeah oh yeah it's a great read i, I also like that after the story, it, each chapter and each of the golden pearls goes into a conversation between you and the co-author, uh, Harriet Tinka. And Yes,
1: Harriet is a very special lady. And we wrote this book because, um, you know, when I started giving back, I gave back to a society called the YWCA. We used to run the event called the Women of Distinction event. And Harriet applied for one of the awards called the Turning Point Award. That award was giving to people that went through a very dastardly time of their life. And Harriet uh, had gone through a very difficult time when she was a world-class model and she decided to go and become an accountant. So she was studying accounting at the University of Calgary when she met a very nasty fellow who ended up kidnapping her, stabbing her and leaving her for dead. Um, Harriet used this as a time to uh, grow in her life. Uh, during her rehab, she met a young girl by the name of Amber that said, you should try and give back. And she did give back. And one of the things she wanted to do was to write a book. So she encouraged me to write a book. And this is why we wrote a book together. And our book is written in a rather unique way. We'd get together over coffee. We'd get together over lunch. And we'd write all the wonderful little points in it. And so there's a conversation between her and me in each chapter and I think you'll enjoy that conversation just as much as the story we tell.
0: Oh, yeah. that It gives it a human touch to it. And uh, as I read through the book myself, I felt like I was in the coffee shop with you sitting at the table doing what I love doing best, which is listening to people talk. Uh, and that's what we wanted you to be,
1: a fly on the wall, just listening to the conversation as we were writing it so that you can be part of it. And you join our journey and become part of the journey so that you can become part of the the experience of the book. And that's what makes this book rather unique. And that's why I think it became a bestseller in the pandemic of 2020.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, and... and I may or may not have laughed and maybe even said something to get in the conversation while reading the book, but, uh, no, we'll ever, well, I guess I just admitted to it. Dang it. Okay. <laughs> but it, it, you really accomplished the idea of having us feel like we're a fly on the wall or in the same space, uh, listening in on the conversation. And I, and I agree. It, this is definitely an easy read, um, very conversational and in, in how it's presented, uh, not very heady. It's down to earth. Here's a lesson. Boom. Love. Golden Pearl. Here's another one vulnerability. This is you know a story to help you relate to it. but now here's a conversation that breaks it down for you. Uh, here's well, some vulnerability
1: quotes. is one of the difficult ones because none of us like feeling vulnerable. none of us really want to be in a vulnerable situation. but you know vulnerability is really where it all happens. Uh, it's because of vulnerability that you become beautiful. That was from Brenny Brown who has written a lot on vulnerability and really uh, getting to the next level. And again, I've got a little story here that I think would help everybody as well. Yeah, go for it. A man found a cocoon of a butterfly. One day, a small opening appeared. The man watched the butterfly for several hours as it struggled to force its body through the little hole. Suddenly, the butterfly stopped making any progress and looked like it was stuck. So the man decided to help the butterfly. He used a sharp pair of scissors to snip off the part. And that uh, held the cocoon constricted. The little the butterfly then eased easily emerged, although it had a swollen body and small shriveled wings. The man didn't think anything of it and waited for the wings to enlarge to support the butterfly. But that didn't happen. The butterfly spent the rest of its life unable to fly, crawling around with its tiny wings and swollen body. Despite his kind heart, the man didn't understand that the restricting cocoon and the struggle to get through the small opening were God's way of forcing fluid into the butterfly's body so that the uh, butterfly could grow and become a beautiful butterfly from the cocoon. The moral of the story, vulnerability allows us to struggle. Struggles build our strengths if we allow them and work through them. So, you know, it's the hard things in life that makes us appear to have the beautiful things. You know, it's the depths of despair that makes us to have the wonderful uh, peaks of happiness that we have. So, I think it's important that people realize that. Um, and you know, uh, victory is the sweetest when you've known defeat. That's from Malcolm Forbes. And so, if you've known defeat, victory is certainly there. And uh, you know, I understand. Here's another quotation: I understand now that vulnerability I've always felt was the greatest strength. A person can have you can't experience life without without feeling life. And what I've learned is that uh, being vulnerable is to every somebody you love is not a weakness; it's a strength. Elizabeth Shue. So to really love, you have to be vulnerable. Otherwise, you really do not understand love. And I think that's very important for people to realize.
0: And I think it's Harriet in the book who says that if you're going for the win you have to make yourself vulnerable you have to take that risk to experience potential loss yet yeah, if you don't take that risk if you don't make yourself vulnerable in that way uh, you, you don't have the chance of having that victory you're going after
1: yes that's right and you see Harriet is a wonderful lady and she also runs these death races you know yeah. 20 miles running do 24 hours and getting these uh, going through these hundreds of miles in a couple of days And so she, she knows how you have to put everything on the line to attempt to win. And I think that's true of anything. If we really want to be successful, if you want to win a race, you have to put everything on the line. So you have to be vulnerable. Yes, exactly.
0: And I think there's a strength that comes from that vulnerability too. We, I know, we grow up in a society, especially in the United States, where men have got to put on some bravado. We got to be tough. We got to be self-sustaining, self-sufficient. But really, I think our strength comes from being open, being human, relying on other people for help. And I think leaders across the world can tell you that has been a big part of their success is being vulnerable and being human. You know,
1: I think the difficult time of COVID for us is that we've all had to draw within ourselves and we've had to go through periods of social isolation and in order to get this virus under control. And that's made us relive a period of time when we've gone through a death and dying process. I think part of the anger we're seeing out there right now is just from drawing within like that. I think the bargaining we're seeing, I think the denial we're seeing is largely because of this process. And so I think uh, this has given us a chance for our world to emerge into a new and better way if we will let it. And I think that's the important thing is we've got to let it.
0: Yeah. Otherwise we just put up the the wrong kind of walls and uh, kind of rob ourselves of that growth that would come out of a season like this. Yeah. Now, one of the things that really stood out for me, I'm going way back to the story you shared about Dr. Uh, David Martz. Um, You know, the one thing that stood out about his story that you shared was, you know, he had gotten that similar diagnosis. He's got Lou Gehrig's disease and he's going to die. And when you met him or when you heard about him, uh, he was wasting away. You know, he was accepting that statement of you're going to die. And it took an outside word uh from that Texas doctor that said, you yeah, know, maybe not. Maybe you've got something completely different. Let's take a look at this. And taking that leap of faith and being vulnerable in a sense and and pursuing that other possibility, it turns out he wasn't dying of Lou Gehrig's disease. He was actually suffering from chronic uh Lyme's disease that could be treated and he lives. And the thing that stood out for me on a metaphorical level is how many of us accept somebody's um, message of doom and gloom or hopelessness. Maybe it's our own internal message of this can never happen. I can never succeed. I can never have that type of life. And we just accept that. And in, in a sense, we die within ourselves. We, die our, you know, we let our dreams die. We let our hopes die. We let uh, our prospect for the future die. And then you've got a book like, um, you know, the secrets to living a fantastic life. And it's got these 13 golden pearls. You know, what if you listen to those instead and apply those instead to your life? Uh, is there the possibility that you get off the deathbed of your life and you live it to a different level of fulfillness and uh, significance? So anyway, that was just something I wanted to point out. That,
1: And I think it's important that if we do live a life of fear, that fear is a is a very negative emotion and You know, the word fear actually means false expectations appearing real. And over 95% of things that we're afraid of never really happen. And when they do happen, they often happen in ways that are much less than we dreaded them to begin with. So fear is something we should overcome. And I'm going to share with everybody a surefire way to overcome any situation that they had. And I'm going to tell you one more story. There was a carpenter and his name was Fred. And he had worked for one company all the days of his life. And at the end of 45 years, he was tired. He wanted to retire. So he went to his boss and said, boss, I'm done. I have worked for you all my life, but I think I'm going to retire now. The boss was taken aback. He said, Fred, you can't leave me now. Um, you built every house that we've ever built in my company. And you have been my master carpenter, he said, could you do one more thing before you retire? Fred said, of course. Well, the boss, he Fred. The boss then said to Fred, Fred, could you build me just one more house? Only you can do it. You're my master carpenter. You are the person with the skills to do it. So Fred said, of course, boss, I'll do it. But you know, his heart wasn't into it. In the old days, he used to work 24 hours a day. Now he could only work a couple. And he really dragged his ass to work every day. And he really didn't get the good workmanship done. In fact, for the first time in his life, he produced shoddy workmanship. But, you know, at the end of that, a miracle happened and the house passed inspection. So he went back to his boss and said, boss, okay, I'm done. Here's the keys to the last house I did. Uh, It's passed inspection. You can do what you want with it. And the boss said, "Okay," Um, said, but don't leave yet. We're going to have a party. So he drew, drew everybody around in the office. They popped the champagne. They had the caviar. They had a great party. And then at the end of it, the boss got up and said, I'm going to give a little speech. He said, today's a sad day for me. Fred is moving into retirement. It's the happiest day of his life, but not my happiest day. And I'm going to give Fred just one more gift, a gift that he should live the rest of his life. And Fred, here's the keys to the last house you ever built. May you enjoy it with all the enthusiasm (laughs) you gave me all those years. (laughs) <laughs> now, I tell you that story for a very important reason, because, you know, enthusiasm is not a Saturday thing. Enthusiasm is not a Friday thing. It's something you give every day of your life. It's the magic thing that makes the, it makes every day happen. It's the magic day that really uh, makes everything happen to the best of your abilities. And I think that's what I think everybody should realize. Enthusiasm. Bring it to the day every day. If you're a street sweeper, be the best street sweeper that you can. If you're a carpenter, be the best carpenter that you can. If you're a cosmetic doctor, be the best cosmetic doctor you can. And with all that, you will make the world a better place. And I'm also going to encourage your audience to do something that will also make a difference, and that's to pay it forward. Do something for your neighbors today that you would not regularly do. If, if you're Baking some cookies, bake an extra dozen of cookies and give it to your neighbor. Go to somebody that's locked in or shut in and and do something for them. Or even better yet, um, somebody you haven't talked to for a long time, phone them up and say, hi, is there anything I can do for you today? Because you're really doing something for somebody else will make the world a better place. You know, if you're going to the grocery store, buy some food for the food bank today, because there's people today that won't have enough to eat. And you can make the world a better place of result.
0: Love it. Especially the pay it forward concept. Um, Yeah. If each person just paid something forward, I mean, it just changes the world. Putting your best foot forward. Um, One of the mantras I like to live by is uh, actually from the Bible. It's in whatever you do, do it as if working for the Lord, not for men. Uh, And so for me, it's just a reminder that if I do this for a higher purpose, I'm going to put my best foot forward. You know, if I'm doing it for some other guy, some dude, I'm probably going to cut some corners and not put my best into it. But, uh, yeah, if you're just doing something for your fellow man, like, yeah, you're just doing something for, Just because, and you're just, I I love it. Mm, Yes. (laughs) So cool. I lost all my words. That's, that's where we are, Dr. Laika. Now, I know folks can find you at dralanlika.com. I'll have that in the show notes. Uh, Definitely go and download uh, the secrets to living a fantastic life. And on top of that, if you are a junkie when it comes to podcasts like I am, subscribe to his podcast, How to Live a Fantastic Life. Those episodes are between fifty. Actually, they're anywhere from 12 to 20-ish minutes. Uh, Very powerful nuggets of information, interviews that are nice, short, and sweet. Um, Dr. Laika, is there anything else you'd want to add? Maybe a final word of advice or encouragement, um, other ways that people can connect with you?
1: I think the most important thing people should realize, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. I think those are very important uh, things to live with yourself. If you're given lemons, don't begrudge you be grudged that you've been given lemons. Make lemonade. You know, make the world a better place. Simple as that. Remember, it's not what happens
0: to you. It's what you do with what happens. Awesome. Dr. Leica. thank you so much for being on Beyond the Rut. And I'm confident somebody's listening to this and they're going to find themselves getting unstuck in one of those areas of their lives.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It was my pleasure today.
0: Now, you heard from Dr. Leica about some of those pearls of wisdom that you'll find in his book I invite you to go check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 305 there you'll find a link to his website to his book, his podcast and more now the best way you can pay this show back is really to pay us forward so however you're listening to us right now hit the share button and send this episode to somebody you feel will also benefit from the message that Dr. Laika had Now, I'm glad you joined me this week, and I look forward to joining you again next week. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care.